0: You're listening to the Pure Desire Podcast, your safe place to find hope, healing, and freedom from sexual addiction, betrayal, and relationship issues. Good morrow, listener. I am your host, Trevor Windsor, and you're listening to episode 197 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here joining me, as always, is my co-host, Nick Stumbo.
1: It's a -A beautiful day.
0: Yes, yes, yes one of my favorite movies of all time
1: yes bruce almighty that's right it's a classic
0: that's right and i mean as as heretical as it is to have morgan freeman as god <laughs> it was it was a funny motif i thought it was i thought it was good
1: he's got the right voice for it so <laughs> that's right uh, can, can we just pause and go back did you say good morrow everyone yeah good morrow what I don't think I've ever heard you say "morrow."
0: You know what? You have the fun role of getting to decide <laughs> something new to say every episode, and mine gets really boring. Okay, that's why
1: Kot was like, "He changed something." What is going
0: on here? Yeah, I'm trying to like.
1: I almost made that my intro. Like,
0: what was that? <laughs> would have been good. Um, okay, so we uh, had Bob Vandermeer on, one of our clinicians and speakers. We did. Um, And also contributor to some of our new resources that are coming out, excited about that. But we had him on to talk about the difference that we see between a traditional accountability group and recovery groups.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think a very important conversation because what we have found for a lot of people in their experience, they're saying, I've, I've done accountability for years, but I'm still struggling. Mm-hmm. And it can be discouraging because often what we have been taught in our faith model or through churches as well. If you just have accountability, you'll be okay. And many of us tried accountability for many years yeah. and like, I'm still not okay. And yeah. so that can create the shame of like, man, there must be something really wrong with me. Yeah. Because even when I was accountable, I was still stumbling and having problems. And I think what we talk about today is just seeing in a helpful way that there are some deficiencies if we're only seeking what we traditionally define as accountability. So yeah. we try to analyze that, kind of look at the loopholes that that cause people to get stuck and then hopefully cast a vision of what does it look like to have good, healthy recovery yep. and be pursuing that with a group of others around us.
0: Yeah. Well, it is a good episode. It's a short and quick one. A few more, a few more things, a few more other things. I'm just, good morrow. Good morrow few, to yeah. you. Okay, subscribe to the podcast, We're on all the major platforms. Follow us on social media, at Pure Desire PDMI. We have full episodes on YouTube of these Episodes. I am just struggle bus today. Okay, let's talk really quick um, about Team Fifty Eight, this new thing that we're doing here at Pure Desire.
1: Yeah, Team Fifty Eight was built off a concept that we pulled from Isaiah chapter fifty-eight in the Old Testament. Um, in that chapter, Isaiah is talking about how if the people will honor God with their their lives, and in this case, it was how they were choosing to fast, that if they would honor God with that, that their salvation would come quickly like the dawn, and their healing would break forth. And it's this very encouraging vision of like the kind of people they will become. And by the end of that passage, it talks about how some of you will be those who rebuild the broken walls and restore the fallen cities. That because of of their health and freedom, they will be a part of rebuilding uh, cities and walls that have been torn down Mm -hmm. because of foreign enemies and oppressors. And we just look at that to say, as we are finding healing and recovery and freedom through pure desire... God is tapping on our shoulders to say, this healing wasn't just for you, that I want you to pay it forward. I want you to be a part of rebuilding broken lives, restoring families. And that doesn't mean we all become counselors or group leaders. I mean, if God calls you to that, that's awesome. But it is to say, we can all be involved through our prayers, through our support and through our giving. And so uh, Team 58 has become our hopefully catchy name for those that are monthly recurring givers to Pure Desire that have just said, hey, we're a part of making this happen. We're a part of the mission. Um, we're a part of seeing lives be rebuilt and families be restored. Yeah. And, and we wanted to, to give that group a name and an identity to, to feel like they're, they're together a part of something because none of us can do this alone. Yep. I mean, not even me as the director of Pure Desire, like it, this is a team effort and that team is comprised of everyone who is involved in praying, supporting, and giving? And so, um, we want to encourage people to consider saying, "Could I be a part of that team, even through a, a monthly ten or twenty dollar gift that that gets you into the onto the team?" And yep. we'll uh, we'll send you some thank you gifts and just trying to create that identity to say, "Hey, we're doing this together. We're rebuilding yep. Yep. families, restoring lives, and and that's a pretty awesome thing to yeah. be a part of."
0: And so, if you want to join Team Fifty Eight and help rebuild families and rebuild marriages and rebuild communities, go to puredesire.org slash give. All right. Here is our conversation with Bob Vandermeer on the difference between accountability and recovery groups. Baberto, Robert Vandermeer, welcome back to the podcast.
2: Hey, thanks. Always a pleasure to be here, gentlemen.
0: I, I don't know if... Why do, you, why do you laugh? Do you doubt
2: it? I was do wondering doubt. the same.
0: Do I just doubt my joy? Everything that you say, there's just this potential undertone of sarcasm and humor. Everything. Yeah, <laughs> everything. Um, all right. Well, anyways, uh, today we are looking into what many might actually find is like a minutia or a very minor uh, distinction when it comes to the realm of sexual health, but... The difference we're talking about today does have some pretty big implications. We've had some conversations about this um, in-house, definitely. We have uh, some of this in our Q&As that we do in events, but we're going to talk about the difference between accountability and recovery groups. Um, And again, it's something that we um, talk about a lot, but today we want to kind of break it down to five distinctions that we see between accountability and recovery groups. So the first one is... um, the, the first difference or distinction between the two is group responsibility versus personal responsibility. Bob, why don't you start us off with that one? Uh,
2: yeah. So I mean, I think the, the group responsibility, uh, I mean, this is something that comes up a lot with clients in particular is, is they're kind of like, well, so like, what am I relying on my group to do for me? You know, like I'm in there, we, we talk about uh, the opposite of addiction being connection, relationship being so key to all of this and then they're in a group. Like, what do I expect from these people that I'm in a group, you know? Um, and so uh, I, there's a lot of sifting out and redefining these, these ideas. So I think like group responsibility in an accountability group mm-hmm. is, uh, is that we're placing our, like the, the outcome of our health on the interaction of the group members. Yes. In other words, if, if they do their job, then I'll be able to get to a place that's healthy, or then I'll be able to make you know progress in this direction. Right. Uh, versus um, in a recovery group, that responsibility, like we don't place that onto them. Like they they participate, but they're participating in in us owning our own health and our own mm-hmm. responsibility. The Genesis process, you know, uh, a resource that we use on page one of chapter one, says you can only work on problems that you own.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I
2: think that that's like a big difference between an accountability group because you're kind of making them own your problem versus a recovery group where you're saying this is my problem and I own it.
1: Yeah, and it's it's where we take issue with kind of the traditional approach to mm-hmm. accountability groups and it's what many of us learned. I know it's what I learned that you go to a group of maybe a few other people and you're like, "Guys, here's my problem, here's the thing I'm struggling with." And I I give you permission To call me anytime, to check in with me anytime, to ask me anytime how I'm doing. And and that feels noble and it feels good. And it's like, oh, this is so healthy, but we miss how I have just deflected or deferred responsibility off of myself onto them. And I've used the illustration like at conferences of, of taking a football and tossing it to someone else. It's like the ultimate buddy pass of saying, hey, buddy, you are now responsible. You are carrying the football for my recovery because it's up to you now to check in on me. And right. if you forget, or if you don't, or you're too busy, or you call at a time when I'm busy, that's all on you. Right. And the truth is we're not gonna recover if someone else is carrying the ball for our recovery. Yeah. As Bob just said, you can't fix what you don't own. You can't right. face it if, if you're not carrying the ball for your own recovery. And so that's where we wanna maybe unlearn some of what was handed to us. That is as, as nice as that feels to say, hey, you have permission to call me anytime. And you could still say that to a group. I'm not saying that's wrong. Right. But along with it, we should say, but I'm going to take the initiative to reach out to you. And on these days or at at this time, and I'm going to self-report how am I doing, where I'm at in my progress, because now I'm carrying that responsibility for my recovery. And then I'm owning it and I can work on changing.
0: Yeah. And the way I see it is an accountability group, a traditional accountability group, the one we're describing is basically like a cosmetic thing um, that we're doing. That actually what I'm doing is I'm already living in denial, and if I view the group as the responsible one here to help me with my health, that actually just perpetuates my own denial of my own problem and my own responsibility. And so it's this uh, cosmetic or outward thing that we do that makes it look like we're actually making progress, but nothing's actually taking place. There's no change that's happening there.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like and uh, with big organizations where there's ends up being some financial embez- embezzlement by like the president or this, you know, the CFO or whatever. And they say, well, like, I you know, my books are open, like people can come in and look at them whenever they want. Right. So there's a big difference be- between saying huh. you can take a look at my books whenever you want and me monthly going to you and saying, here, here's my books. Yep. Look at them, please. Yep. Right. Or like as a parent, you know, saying, oh, no, you can come and talk to me whenever you want to. I'm always available to you versus the parent going to their child and saying, let's sit down and hang out. Yeah. Right. Uh, It's not the same thing because people are are afraid sometimes. Like how many people in our groups say, well, yeah, I just didn't want to bother them. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I didn't want to bug them. Yeah, um, that's not the. It's not the same thing having open books versus like saying, "Here's my stuff. Take a look."
1: Yeah. Well, and the other thing that can happen with that group responsibility, where I kind of put it off on them, it really can create a relationship dynamic that's not always healthy. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not having a great week, and and Bob calls, and I see his name, like, oh, Bob's checking. Like, I don't want to do that. And and now I feel like Bob's looking over my shoulder, and and Bob's, yeah. you know, has yeah. these expectations of me, and I may even find I'm avoiding Bob, and like. Right. Well, that's not going to be a good friendship or relationship because I know why they're checking in. And yeah. so you've got to be aware if if I'm asking people to do that and they do, I, I might start avoiding those relationships, the very things I need yeah. in order to heal me. Yeah. Uh, so let's go into the next distinction between accountability groups and recovery groups that we see. Um, and these are two words that in some situations are used interchangeably and, and maybe make sense in that context. But in terms of a group situation, we find these two are very, very different. So, Trevor, what is the difference between a group focused on sobriety and a group that's focused on health?
0: The two things that come to mind for me are um, one is focused on stopping a behavior and one is on about, and then the other. So accountability, traditional, tends to be about um, stopping a behavior where recovery tends to be about what am I doing in the future? What am I pursuing? What are the things that I'm replacing that old behavior with? And then another thing that comes to mind for me is sobriety to me often communicates a reactive lifestyle. Um, where i'm reacting to what's going on around me or i'm reacting to this unwanted behavior where health is actually much more proactive that i'm going before myself and setting some things in place where i'm not just reacting to what happens i'm putting things into place so when certain things happen in life that i can continue on in health so sobriety is like uh, just don't do this one thing and health is uh, doing all these other things in order to create health across the board holistically
2: yeah, yeah, I think with like the sobriety focused, um, that becomes like the litmus test or the measure of whether or not yeah. people are doing are doing what's, what's right, you know, and so if you've got some people in the group that have been able to establish some sobriety and some people that haven't, then it becomes this performance oriented thing uh, and where we where, yeah, maybe we celebrate some other stuff, but what we really want to celebrate is sobriety. And yeah, sure, like if you've got a a betrayed spouse or you have these negative consequences from your addiction, I mean, that's why you're in the the group to begin with or, you know, from your behavior, you're in the group because of that. So sobriety is important. Yep. Uh, But if the group is sobriety focused, then it, it brings in these other dynamics that that really can make it not a safe place. Whereas if we can celebrate any measure of progress, any measure of health, you know, from one day or one week or one month to the next. Like, that's important that we can celebrate that. And I think in the recovery group, we're able to do that. We're able to look for these other measures mm-hmm. instead of just being focused on sobriety.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the concept we hear in other circles of the dry drunk that, well, I'm I'm at year, you know, two with no alcohol, but meanwhile, they're still raging at their kids. They're a workaholic. Yeah. They have an unhealthy right. relationship with food. Um, you know, they're in inappropriate physical relationships. Like, but hey, two years, no alcoholic. Like, yeah. All right, Ooh. we haven't really addressed the underlying issues that are driving your behavior. And in that yeah. sense, as Bob mentioned, it becomes a very performance-oriented group yeah. that I'm, I'm just trying to perform well by not doing the bad thing. And then that makes me feel good and actually becomes a cover-up to not do the deeper work of saying, what led to this behavior all along? How was I using it to cope with pain or a difficulty in my life? And until we see that, we're just likely transferring from one behavior to another. So maybe we've we've stopped the porn use, but if now we're just redirecting that unhealthy expectation to our spouse, we may not really be in that much better of a place. Or if we've just redirected that energy into food or alcohol, like we're just still coping and medicating. We haven't addressed what's driving it. And It's why Pure Desire says all the time that we're not here to stop a behavior. We're here to change the way you do life. Because as you change the way you do life, not only will that behavior stop, but so will so many other unhealthy coping mechanisms that we've used. And so I echo what Bob said. Yeah, we do want to stop the behavior. So it's a part of our recovery. Totally. But the focus is on that overall health and growth that really leads to the kind of life we all want to live.
0: Yeah, it's like a, a checkbox versus a lifestyle. The, they're just, they're different. Like I've accomplished this and done this, or this is something that is just a part of my daily rhythms and who I'm becoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: So like these group dynamics, then obviously they, they, they're they setting us up for the ability to engage in this process, whether, you know, we're doing accountability or whether we're doing recovery, but the the, the group dynamic helps like sets us up for success or or failure in a sense for moving forward. So Nick, what do you feel like the difference is in that scenario then between like a group that's giving advice versus people participating in a group where their self-discovery is the thing that is, you know, propelling them forward?
1: Yeah, it's a good distinction. I think we see it really emphasized in a group where maybe one or two of the members are continuing to struggle at whatever way the group defines struggle, while others are finding more, you know, sobriety that that when someone admits to a relapse or a stumble going back into an old behavior, then everyone else with good intentions usually jumps in like, well, here's what you should have do and, and stop doing this. And if you'd only change that, and why don't you do this next time? Um, in, in a way, again, that can feel good. It's like, all right, everybody told me what to do. But as we see so often in life, when it doesn't come from me, when I'm just being told how to change my life and I don't personally embrace it, typically that doesn't create long-term change that might create a short-term shift of like, Oh, my group gave me all this great advice and it helps. But until yeah. I'm owning my own process, I'm not going to get very far. And that's why I think the emphasis in a recovery group on self discovery is so key because I need to arrive at some of these answers for myself. Like I, I can have a group member tell me, yeah. hey, you shouldn't be taking your smartphone in your bathroom. And I, I can do that because they told me. Right. But if I have self-discovery to recognize my patterns, the way I isolate, and I see it for myself and I make that choice, I'm much more likely to follow it because I've, I've seen it and I'm owning it. And so that's what we're really after in self-discovery, whether it is something more you know, surfacy like a guardrail or something deeper about trauma or wounds for our yeah. past. I mean, if, if you come along and tell me, man, and, and I kind of reacted this way to Dr. Ted Roberts in my counseling, like, you have a deep father wound. It's like, no, I don't, leave me alone. Yeah, like, sometimes. there's this natural <laughs> bristling and reactiveness. Like, yeah. don't tell me about my problems.
2: Right. You're not my dad. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but but six months later, when I came yeah. to that self-discovery, like, wow, I've got some deep stuff that yeah. is related to my father and my relationship with him, and I could see it and own it for myself the reaction was totally different and yeah. it led to a lot more change than had I just stayed in that place. Well, Ted says I got one, so I guess I right. better just take his word for it. Yeah, That wouldn't have taken me very far. So I think we really want to emphasize and that self-discovery is key. That's not to say we can never offer sure. with permission, you know, hey, could I yeah. offer some uh, an idea of what's worked for me? Right. Could I ask a question about something I'm seeing? I mean, that that can be healthy, but yeah. we want the focus to be on letting people learn at their own pace, because that's the, the final thing I'd say is this is not a predictable step-by-step, here's how long it takes process. I mean, every person is different. Their background is different. Their personality is different. And for some, things click. And in a month, you know, they're making huge strides. And for yeah. others, they need the time of false starts and some, some yeah. stumbling. And that's how they're going to learn. Right. And that's okay, because every person's story is different. And so that really requires that we put that focus on self-discovery and not just trying to fix one another.
0: It's interesting too, like if self-discovery, because I think that um, if someone discovers something about themselves as they're going through recovery work, uh, that is going to be more powerful, as you said, and then accountability can come in. And then it's like, hey, group members, I discovered this about myself. This is a change I want to make. And then there is this like camaraderie, this coming around this person to then hold that person accountable to that change. Because again, if we're, if we're more looking for advice giving versus self-discovery, advice giving is still putting the responsibility on the like effectiveness of the advice given in that week, right? So if we're meeting on a weekly basis and it's like, well, you know, so-and-so and the other guys, they didn't give me really good advice this week, so it's their fault. Versus self-discovery, it is still on me. Like it's to the depth that I have discovered this about myself and the work I'm doing on myself that's going to dictate my health. And so again, I think this is another way to just kind of shuck the responsibility onto somebody else.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I thought of something like that. We're not saying that accountability is bad. Uh, I think we're saying the approach to accountability that we've had is maybe um, misguided and not yes. effective. Yeah. So like the difference of me like asking you to hold me accountable, that's kind of like this group advice thing where if I'm asking you to hold me accountable, I'm relying on you to give me advice, I'm relying on your, like if you, I need you to ask the right question. Like if you just say, hey, how was your week? And I say, it was great, cool, end of discussion. Right. But if, you know, but but um, me making myself accountable to you, yeah. like that's different, that's, that's kind of the self-discovery part that says that I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna own this, like I'm going to do the work that's here. I am going to answer the questions that are in the material. Yeah. I'm going to make the phone calls and the check-ins that are a part of this group. I'm going to do this, and in that, I'm going to learn things about myself, versus relying on other people. And and then when there's a group where there's where there's a group advice kind of um, atmosphere, a lot of people don't feel safe in that. Yeah. Like if I feel like if I feel like every time I hang out with Trevor and Nick, and I tell them I don't know a challenge that I'm having as a parent. Yeah if I feel like all they're going to do is spout at me all of the successes they've had as a parent, well, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop talking to them totally. about stuff. Yeah.
0: Yes. You know?
2: Yeah. Um, and so it ends up becoming not a safe place to even be real about right. what we're dealing with versus if we have the space for self-discovery, then like Trevor and Nick are going to let me talk about my challenges yes. and also, yeah you know, just be there alongside of me when I work through something.
0: It's good. You know? It's really good.
1: Yeah. I was just thinking maybe we should clarify, especially what we're talking about here is unsolicited advice yes. giving Yep. Yeah. because I, I do think there's a, a place for mentors. There's mm-hmm. a place for guides, but it's when that's a self, even that is self-discovery led of like, man, guys, I'm realizing I really get triggered by, you know, my wife's whatever when she does this. And, I feel so, I, I cannot see what I'm missing or why that is. What do you guys think? Do you have any advice for me? So that's very different than if a guy is sharing in group about how triggered he was by something mm-hmm. his wife said, and then he just stops and everyone's like, oh, well, we'll tell you how to fix it. Yep. Uh, yeah. That's why we make it a priority in our groups to say, you know, when you are seeing something, you ask permission, like like I mentioned earlier. Would you mind if I asked you a question? Yeah. Would it be okay if I shared a story from my life where it I saw something similar. Yeah. And if the person says, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for that, be like, great. Cool. No problem. Yeah. That's we're we're not here to fix you. <laughs> we're here to support you. Right. Um, so especially to be careful for that unsolicited advice where we all just jump in and tell people what to do.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's a great point, Nick. I, I love how you differentiated that in terms of like the invitation, right? So if I'm inviting you to give me advice, that's part of my self-discovery. Yes. Like if, if I, if I've had enough self-discovery that I realized, man, I, I need advice, then me inviting that or asking for that advice, that's actually part of my self-discovery process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah. So good. Today's episode is sponsored by Drew Boa and Husband Material Academy. Through Husband Material, Drew helps Christian men outgrow porn. He does this through coaching men on how to change their brains, heal their hearts, and save their relationships by achieving freedom from porn.
1: Yeah. And anyone who's listened to our podcast with Drew knows he's a he's a good guy. Yes. He's got good insights. Um, he's walked this road and is just using his story to bless others. And I really love the emphasis he has on guys that are engaged or newly married to really say, let, let's let set the path right before it gets damaging. Yes. And I, I know he'll work with guys in any season, but I I think in particular, if you are someone or know someone that's in that season of about to be married or early married and and they're acknowledging this This isn't fixed in my life. I mean, get them connected to Drew because he is a man that can um, really help someone walk this road in a way that is
0: redemptive and life-changing. Absolutely. So yeah, go and join Drew's group for men. It is husbandmaterialmen.com and you'll join the group there. All right, cool. Well, then that's number three. Let's move on to number four. The distinction is behavior modification versus what we'll call long-term change. Bob, talk about that.
2: Yeah, I think one of the things that gets in the way of this is that we want immediate change. And so when we want immediate change, we go for that behavior modification approach. A lot of times we will, you know, we've heard of guys like incorporating some sort of like physical pain, like snapping the rubber band or whatever else as a way to like change the behavior. You know, I mean, that's what like this like shock therapy was. Right. And so they're, they're, they're looking for this behavior modification, but that's because we want the quick change. And like this is not a quick change thing. This is a long term thing. And again, this is challenging because that's not what we're used to. We're used to stepping into a group or stepping into a Bible study. And like we want immediate, quote unquote, conviction. We want to be able to walk out of there, you know, getting anointed with some oil and now everything's good, yep. whatever. Like, But we want that quick thing. And, uh, and these groups like are not designed for you to go through a group and to be fixed at the end of it. These groups are designed for you to go through a group and now have some progress in healing, but also have new tools and new skills at your disposal that you're just beginning to use. And so I, I think some of it is just the expectation that immediately there's going to be change. And when we want that, and we don't see it, then we kind of quickly shift towards just some behavioral modification and um and that might get some quick response, but it doesn't get the long term health yeah mm-hmm.
1: I think we need to recognize how a behavior modification group or you know the traditional accountability group can really become a part of someone's binge purge cycle, yes, because like after I've had the purge and I'm feeling bad and shameful and I want to change like man i'm showing up at group every week. I'm calling those guys. We're meeting regularly. But after a month or two, if the behavior has changed in my estimation, if I've modified my behavior and I'm doing good, yep. what happens? Well, that guy stops showing up at group as much. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make the calls. Like the relationships kind of drift apart until they have another binge. And then they're like, we need to meet and I'm missing out on it. And <laughs> yes. And so that can be the trap is if we haven't acted out in a while, we start to treat accountability as kind of a That's a nice thing. I check in with these guys once in a while, but we may convince ourselves I don't really need it because the point of relationship was just that behavior. Right. When we Mm -hmm. see that the point of relationship is the ongoing support as we grow towards being healthy people. And if, if that's our focus, then we see the need for that week in and week out, whether it was a great week or a bad week, because it's, it's just part of how we're learning and growing and supporting one another. And I think those are the healthy relationships we all need versus if it's just about the behavior will probably ebb and flow in our level of commitment to it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. With these, I just, I continue to see like, what's this focused on? Behavior modification, as you were saying, Bob, is the short term right now, make a change. Um, and it's missing out on, I think what, you know, and what we're referring to with recovery groups um, is something that's focused on the healthy life we can live. All the things that we're doing differently and better and the better relationships, the, um, the better self-talk, the better understanding of our own identity and gifting, the the ministry opportunities that we're going to be given or um, can step into. Like, there's so much more that's out there. It's not just the this is the one area of my life that just sucks right now, and is the only thing I need work on. Where recovery and recovery groups are focused on, no, you've got a lot of different areas you can get healthy. in. sure, this one behavior. Uh, is a huge hurdle that you keep running into. Like you're not even jumping, you're just smacking your face on the stupid hurdle every time. So let's get it out of there so that you can start running down the track at a better speed, at a better pace and pursuing health in all these different areas. So again, it's like that we're like honing in on one thing in both, but recovery, we're honing in on it so that we can expand the purview and see all this health that we can run into.
2: Yeah, in general, there's there's an there is a, a clinical connection, right, between trauma and addiction, and that that's just like an industry standard given at this point. Yeah, trauma and addiction are connected, and so within a behavioral modification kind of model, we we can't deal with trauma, we can't deal with limbic system stuff if our approach is just to like get a quick fix on it. Yeah, uh, when dealing when dealing with trauma, when dealing with limbic system, right, there has to be a healing that ha- that occurs through new experiences yes, and those, those new experiences, it's not a one-time experience. Maybe, let's just say, maybe though, you know, we have uh, a big healing experience where someone says, you know, Hey, I love you. And it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe there's this new idea that we, that, that we come in contact with that Wow. I can be loved for who I am, but that doesn't, that doesn't heal all of the past wounds. Right. Right. That's just kind of like this big occurrence where, where maybe we get a little bit of a paradigm shift. But we still need to have a like a lifelong of experiences mm-hmm. that continue to change our perspective on relationship, right? Even the idea of recovery is returning to a place uh, where we were before we were hurt, before we were wounded, before we learned we couldn't trust other people. Yeah. So like this is a lifelong process.
1: Yeah, I want to revisit to what we said about uh, performance kind of orientation towards group that in behavior modification. If that's the emphasis, we're really just looking at those performance-based things. And we can really miss a lot of those deeper truths that you're talking about, Bob, because we, even if we have a series of questions like, well, you know, did you act out sexually? No. Did you, you know, uh, blow up in anger at your kids? No. Did you read your Bible this week? Yes. And it's like behavior, behavior, behavior. And we can feel like I checked all the behavior boxes. I'm doing good. I performed well. But some of that deeper stuff is like, but how's it going with your heart? Like, what's going on in your soul? What are your longings and desires, and what are they directed towards? And what kind of self-talk are you using towards yourselves? Mm-hmm. And how is your attitude towards God and others? And is there bitterness growing or unforgiven I mean, those are the deeper things that really lead towards behaviors. And so what we talk about is how if, if we're focused on behavior modification, it's that metaphor of, like, white-knuckling it. Like, maybe right. this week I did everything right, and right. everything's good. Right. But if the deeper stuff didn't change, it's only a matter of time before that sooner or later. Sideways. Yeah, it, it takes me yeah. to something I don't want to do because right. I'm not addressing what's driving the behavior. And I would use this illustration with guys all the time that were, you know, I would talk about group and they'd say, well, I haven't acted out in a long time. I'm doing good. And and I would try to get into, do you know what is driving that behavior, where it's coming from? And usually like, well, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm not, I'm not acting out. And I would use the illustration of like a, an active volcano. That if we cap the volcano and it's, you know, the top looks good, it, is the danger past? Like, well, no, if, if there's still all kinds of hot lava inside the mountain, it's actually just growing pressure. And sooner or later, it will either Crazy. come back out the top or blow out sideways. With
0: vengeance. Yeah.
1: And I think we've got a lot of people, even in the church, that are kind of living that way, like, I'm good, it's all under control. But under the surface, there's like this growing anxiety or anger or fear or whatever that right. sooner or later, if not addressed, can cause even bigger problems. And so that's why we want to get into what's long-term change look like? What right. does it look like to change my thought processes and, and what's driving me so that yeah. the behavior doesn't happen?
0: And the what's funny is, as you're saying that, the barometer then of my health becomes this one activity, this one thing, mm-hmm. when that's all I'm focused on, when... Yeah, that that one area definitely can impact health in other areas of your life. Absolutely. But we're just honed in on health is just this one area. I can I'm then okay or I have now performed well or I'm living into who I'm supposed to be if it's this one area that stops. And that's just too small of a perspective. It's so much more. Your life is so much more than just one behavior. Yeah. And so it it opens recovery opens your eyes to how dynamic it all is, I think.
2: Yeah, I think even with that like that eruption idea of like so so maybe you don't act out but maybe you rage at your kids. Right. Right? Like or or maybe you withdraw from your friends like like the the, the building up and the um, I guess the way that that ends up showing up just by capping it with behavior sometimes that, that shows up other ways not just with with the sexual behavior yep. and so like if you've got you know Nick you mentioned like the dry drunk idea right if you've got sobriety but you're still a jerk you're missing something <laughs> <laughs> right like, yeah, yeah like there's, there, there's 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 something important in this recovery right. process that we're missing right like like if, if you're if you're still acting like disconnected and angry and and, yeah. and bitter and like there's still some stuff in there that you need to get to and sure. Maybe acting out helps to level out some of the neurochemicals so that things are a little bit more accessible than they were before. Great. You have to feel to heal. And if you're acting out, you can, you don't have access to feelings. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: But it can't stop there. Right. Absolutely yeah so
1: let's talk about one more here. number five, what we would call the difference in uh, accountability group versus real recovery is the difference between just show up versus do the work. So what are we talking about here?
0: Okay, so um, one, uh, my health is completely if if it's just show up, then my health, you know, my sobriety, if you will, is completely contingent on how that group went how the time went, the advice that was given to me, the conversation that we had. Did we pray enough? Did we quote enough scripture? I mean, that's just kind of the traditional model. Um, And so I think in some ways it's this, uh, again, I'm just like, I'm putting responsibility on this time. My health is completely contingent on the time that we spend together. Um, And recovery is also, and we talk about, these are all kind of tied together, but the recovery work that you do on your own you do it before you get to this group. And so you've worked on self-discovery. And then at that point, you're sharing about what you've experienced. You are um, having dialogue about the work you've already done. And so I think um, like an example for a traditional accountability group, let's say you have five, uh, five people that show up and only three of them are able to share then those two people who didn't get to share, if they acted out that week, it's very easy to be like, "Well, if I would have had time, or if you wouldn't, if I would have been able to share, or if you know so and so would be able to give me advice, then that wouldn't have happened." Versus a recovery group, I've done the work. I come ready. So even if I don't get to touch on every single piece of work that I did, I already did the work. I already have that stuff under my belt. That self discovery, um, the self awareness. The um, the exercises that I've had to do to really dig into family of origin and trauma and how my addiction is is coming out, and so I think that it just shifts the perspective that it's not all on that group and puts again the responsibility back on the individual to pursue their own healing throughout the week. Um, and I'll tell you, stuff that you spend you know three or four days on, maybe you spend an hour a day. Like there's so much. Here's what I'm gonna say. There's so much more that could happen if you spend an hour a day for seven days versus having a seven hour meeting. Like just more is going to happen in your recovery if you're able to spend those seven days with just a little bit, a little bit of time on your recovery.
2: Yeah, yeah. The the like just showing up idea. Like, I, you know, part of me wants to jump to you and be like, "Well, you're being lazy." But that's, but I don't, I don't think that lazy is really a thing. Uh, I think that 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 fits into procrastination, and procrastination fits into coping. You know, I mean, all of us at um, when we're working through. sexual addiction like we realize no i am more than anything a procrastinator like i procrastinate far more often than i act out sexually and so when when guys are just showing up uh like the knee-jerk reaction is to is to be like don't be lazy you know do the work but really they're like we're avoiding pain still we're avoiding the discomfort um, of either just having to do the work or having to answer the challenging questions or the vulnerability that's required and uh and so one like if 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 you're showing up a group and you're not don't have your work done, like know that that you can't blame it on on life on the outside. yeah, we're all busy. We all have things that are keeping us busy. doesn't matter if you're married, single kids or not, a dog or not, whatever. we're all busy, but you didn't you did you didn't not get the work done because life's too busy. You didn't get the work done because you're procrastinating because this work is challenging, yes. And if you're willing to face that challenge and take those risks, then you can see some progress.
1: Yeah. I, I think it goes to a mindset that says it is going to group and group alone that heals me. So as long as I just show up and get in the room, I'm going to be healed. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. we don't want to ever say, well, group isn't important because we definitely see that as part of the system. But if, if we're relying on just that environment, but outside of it doing nothing else, I mean, it, I was thinking of illustrations like this. It'd be if someone goes to the gym one hour a week, but then the other six and a half days is just lazy eating whatever they want, making poor choices. Like they're not going to be very healthy in right. the long run. Yep. Or if, yep. if someone said, man, I'm going to, I'm going to really start a, a, a new way of, I'm going to be a healthy eater and change my life. And like, oh, sweet. What have you done? Like I bought a cookbook. It's like, oh, okay. Like what else? I got this yeah. cookbook. Right. And as funny as that might sound, I kind of hear that from people like, oh, I've got accountability. I'm good. It's like, okay, what else? Because if all I do is accountability and think that's the key, yeah. but I'm not doing the deeper work of what's driving me, learning my daily rhythms, right. you know, being accountable to people throughout the week. It's why in our groups, you know, there is a requirement of assignments you do during the week. And it's, it's yeah. not just busy work. It's not punishment. It's to yeah. get into self-discovery, to understand what's going on. And mm-hmm. if we don't engage in that, just showing up and being in the room once a week yeah. It, it it's good it's part of it but right. if that's all we do it's not going to lead to lasting change and transformation
0: <laughs> some people like in your analogy some people also just go to the gym and don't work out yeah. but they're just like well i went to the gym this week <laughs> like i was there you know like and that's still not enough like
2: i went to the juice bar at the yeah, gym
0: <laughs> right yeah. like watching other people work out doesn't mean you did anything you know and it's the same thing like again it's like well i went to my meeting and it's like, well, great. Like what happened in the meeting? Well, I just sat there and listened. It's yeah. like, okay, well then nothing happened. Like no work happened. And again, I, I think we wanna make sure that as a reminder for listeners right now, accountability in and of itself is not bad. That's not what we're saying. Again, no, this we is need a it. traditional model that that a lot of us have been taught growing up is what accountability or health and sobriety when it comes to sexual addiction looks like. So that's kind of what we're going at.
1: Yeah, accountability yeah. is part of the process. Yeah. It's not the whole process.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, I'm regularly reminded that like doing the work by itself, like, so if all we did was took the, yeah. the the seven pillars workbook or betrayal and beyond, or, you know, uh, whatever it is that we're using unraveled and, and we, and we do the work that's in it by ourselves in isolation yeah. and we, and we don't incorporate relationship with it. We're not going to have the same results. Yes. Also, if we just attend the group and are hanging out with people, having these conversations, but we aren't doing the work, we're yes. not going to get that same result. It's taking this stuff, answering the difficult questions, and then taking the risk of incorporating other yes. people into that process. Because yeah. it's in that incorporation, now we realize I can be honest about my hurts and my pains and my fears, yeah. and I can be loved and accepted. Okay, wow, there's something different that's available than what I thought.
0: Which is what and, you but, talked about. You talked about those new experiences. That's what yeah. you're getting to encounter. Yeah.
2: yeah, but you can't do it without doing the work and and, you, and so you have to do the work and attend group and you have to attend group and do the work otherwise like it just doesn't work
0: yep uh so it's it's obvious from our conversation that there definitely is a difference from the traditional accountability groups and recovery groups and, and really to make sure it's clear, pure desire does not offer accountability groups in the traditional model. This is recovery groups. This is stuff where you do the work as Bob's saying, and then go and have a group experience together centered around the work that you did throughout the week. So, um, Whatever you call your group, (laughs) because I know some people call recovery groups, accountability groups, whatever you call it, it needs to be focused on the aspects of recovery where you're doing the work and accountability absolutely is a part and there is discussion, there is community Um, and understand accountability is like we said, is focused on being sober, which is great, but recovery is focused on overall and lasting health, which is really what we're after. And remember that recovery is a journey of getting healthier and healthier as we go. Uh, it's not that box to be checked. It's a lifestyle to adopt. So Bob, we love having you on, man. Uh, just a short and sweet episode, but uh, it was meaningful. Thanks, man.
2: Yeah, appreciate being here.
0: And wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help create a roadmap for your healing. If you or someone you know is impacted by sexual brokenness, go to puredesire.org and let's start the healing journey today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Each week we put out new content to help you on the road to freedom from the effects of sexual brokenness. And lastly, never stop being healthy.